This is Atrocity Girl, and since we have all the members here with us today, let's start by introducing everyone. Hi, guys. This is Johnny Angel. I'm Angie, the drummer. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Cooch Boom. <laughs> on bass. That's right. On bass. She's on bass. I'm on guitar and vocals. We're getting off to an amazing start on this today. I love it, y'all. Like, <laughs> it's like... So, how have you all been surviving this past year and what I thought was going to be a bad year in 2020 and then 2021 is not really starting off great either to tell you the truth. Like not how have y'all been surviving? Um, it's funny. I think in my opinion, for me, I think it's just surviving means being with these girls. Like they, they truly are like the only bright thing in my life. So like, they're the only thing that I look up, I look up to and I look forward to and us being in a band and playing music together. Like I couldn't ask for anything more like during a pandemic. So like that has sort of been the survival and like learning new things and the recording and, and every like videography. It's been really cool. So, you know, same. Nice. No, but I would say that, uh, I mean, it was completely unexpected. And the reason that we decided to to stay together during the pandemic and when we're on lockdown is so that we could still make music and still jam and, and still hang out together. And, you know, we've had sleepovers and we've spent every holiday together and we've been cooking and learning nice. how to record ourselves, nice. setting up a studio. So, yeah, that, that's the survival Yep, same thing. I mean, moving to 2021, you know, it's not like some magical pill that you take and everything's better again, so. If only. I know, right? <laughs> I wanted that so hard. But no, it's, I think we're just going to continue what we've been doing and it's, yeah, I think Johnny said it best. Uh, we kind of like, with all the craziness going in the world, we kind of just like recoiled into this little atrocity bundle and we've just been We do, because like we have each other, you know, yeah, like when there's no nothing else around and no one else it's like we have each other always to lean on which has been the best thing yeah it's been the craziest year because like even with the pandemic and we've had so much time to ourselves and just with everything going on you learn so much about like what you value the most and i think that's been like the best thing that's happened out of 2020 was definitely like atrocity girl and yeah, like recording and I saw someone make a Facebook post about that. They were like, "Yeah, this pandemic's really teaching you like who's important in your life and what you really need to survive and all that." And I think this really shines true for us. Yeah, it does. The built-in community that you get being in a band and and being around each other and everything like that. I mean, I know I know it's like sometimes you know I laugh about it, but this has been like the best year to be like for me to be trapped in a house with five dudes, you know, sharing like right? <laughs> cooking Seriously. together, and you know, it's like you have like this built-in community and germ circle and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, germ circle. Germ circle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. And we've we've been inspiring each other to to learn new things and it's been really incredible, you know, and challenging each other and um and rising to the occasion. And that's been extremely amazing to to feel and to see and to grow in that way too. It's it's been really surprising and amazing. What's the biggest thing that you've learned on this trek so far towards like putting out your first single and everything and the build up to that? Because there's so many things involved when you're doing it yourself, like you all do. <laughs> it's passing it's, the mic back and forth. <laughs> I mean, I would say, you know, if you would ask me that 10 months ago, I would have said, you know, playing live shows. But um, ever since we had you know, this whole meltdown with like recording studios and we took recording into our old hands, like 
we've gone this i mean it's beautiful but it's also this overwhelming and just like hardcore journey into like audio engineering and mixing and mastering and learning everything about that has been like it's the most exciting thing but it's also been like one of our most like biggest hurdles yeah absolutely that's that's been the the i think the hardest thing and the most rewarding as well and because the first few months of course of you know everything changing with the pandemic we weren't really doing a lot i mean i think along with the rest of the world we were trying to figure out what we can and can't do and kind of um, being in a lot of denial. And then really when we decided to to take recording into our own hands, we reached out to some of the women in the community like Rachel Field and Lillian Blair and really um, learned from them. And they were just huge inspirations and mentors. And so I think for me, like actually coming together with Atrocity Girl and trying to form a community of of female engineers that's been um yeah the i've just learned so much every day from our group that we we post on facebook and we just learn from each other every single day about how to do this recording thing at home you mentioned rachel and i gotta say like rachel's one of those people where i feel like we all know her and like so many of us in the community have have worked with her and she's someone i think of as like no matter what band what style of music or something like that it's like at the end of the day you know we're all going to end up going to rachel and and she's going to you know work on for those of you that don't know rachel field shout out uh she works at resonant mastering she co-owner i should say of resonant mastering and um yeah she's she's mastered so many projects so many bands in seattle she's awesome how was that experience of working with her and you mentioned lillian blair too if i'm not mistaken Oh, I, um, yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Um, it, it was funny because it turned out that in the audio production classes at UW, she ended up being a guest lecturer okay. for, for one of the classes. So we got to see, you know, inside the studio and what she does. And, and she ended up mastering our single. And that was so Rachel was, or was for Lillian? For Rachel. Okay, yeah. And yeah. so that was amazing to work with her and to learn from her. And then Lillian uh, is usually the the lead engineer at Vera Project, though that's shut down right now. But she's been teaching uh, online mixing classes um, through Vera Project. And so we've learned just a ton about mixing from her as well. So, I mean, we really threw ourselves into this. It's not like, oh, we decided to, you know, record and try to mix uh, out of nowhere. You know, we're not taking it seriously or we're not trying to learn. No, we're, we're really dedicating our days to, to learning. And they're, they've been instrumental. Uh, I also just want to touch up real quick about um, just shouting out to Rachel Field. Um, also, I know that she's been, um, she's been uh, they've been like selling T-shirts and stuff to help raise money to go into the Seattle Artist Trust Fund. So whoever listens to this, get a shirt. <laughs> and if yes. you're a musician, like help to like, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I think that was really awesome. And I really love that she is so involved in that way. And um, it, um, I feel like she's really helped us quite a bit and, and uh, has really kind of like her and Lillian have led us on the path to where we are now and like we're recording everything on our own you know it's it wasn't like that in the beginning because in the beginning it was so scary and and very intimidating and and um i was talking to ryan on the way here 
I was like, man, do you remember that time like that when we were in the room together and I looked at you girls, I was like, dude, why can't we do this ourselves? Because we were so tired of like all this crap that we had been going through with studios and just like really, you know what I mean? Very just negative energy that we were getting from, you know. And I told her, I was like, I think I looked over at you and kind of like chuckled and said, okay. She did. It was almost like, it was almost like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, but. It was like that power talk. And then it was so funny because I looked back on that day and I was like, girls, we can do this ourselves. And it was like something sparked in all of us. I know it's kind of like, yeah, it started with that. Yeah. Right. Moment. But then after we like, you know, um, we got a grant from the artist trust fund. So shout out to the artist trust fund. We were able to put some uh, money down on some uh, recording gear and we got soundproofing and then, we like Angie was we were setting up in her room and next thing I know I was like holy shit that's what got it started it was yeah. when we talked about it when we were like hey we are gonna do this ourselves and it took a minute for us to maybe like sort of like think about it but at, in the, at the end of that conversation we were all just like fuck yeah let's do it we have you know a good amount of money in our our, um, our atrocity band fund that we can be able to buy this stuff and then thanks to the Seattle um the Seattle musicians uh, trust the fund we were able to you know like yeah like she said build the studio from we're from nothing and here we are now and like um ryan and angie have been so just they've just been dedicating so much of their time and their lives um to figure out how we can help not only ourselves but other you know musicians and, and a lot of other women engineers and musicians in the community as well so it's been pretty incredible and this is something i always got to say that it feels like Man, um, you know, bands get so intimidated by recording and audio and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like coming from me, it's like I started off playing drums and bands, too, and stuff like that. And it was like I remember being 19 and be like, I can't afford like like professional recording studio or stuff like that. Or even if you could, it was just like, well, can't we like just take this stuff into our own hands? Because we're actually going to dedicate time and, and energy like to really treat this thing like you know, it's our baby. And there was a, there's a meme like of um, like a horse that was tied to like a lawn chair, you know, and it's like the, the caption is like, sometimes the only thing that's holding you back is all in your head. You know yes. I, mean? <laughs> I love that. Well, but it does take one. time. You know, like you said, it, it does take a lot of time and dedication. And, and that's something, you know, that for, you know, for better or worse, like we got because of the pandemic. And so we were able to to dedicate that time to learning this this new field and the industry and well and i was going to add in it's like and it wasn't even anything to do out of like self-righteous or like ego or anything like that it was real because like even after we started for atrocity girl um angie has extremely thrown herself into this uh, mixing and she started the uh seattle women's audio um group yes and then she actually linked up with tony um crash from musicians hangout yes and is like we're inspiring like all these women in Seattle, like, you know, this, you can't, like, you can do this, like, and there's resources for you out here. Um, so it's just like spiraled into this huge thing. I mean, I think really too, it was learning about how few women there are in the field. Yeah. And that really, that was really motivating. And, uh, we, especially as women, I mean, we had experiences that I think a lot of other women in audio have had too with, um, you know, certain, engineers would flirt with you know one of the members of the band or um, we were threatened at one point I mean just those kinds of experiences that we were just sick of and and we thought you know we don't really have to deal with this anymore and then it turned out to be 99% of the women that we talked to in bands or musicians had the same stories and the same experiences 
So I think that was that was really eye-opening for me to also think of and realize that 2020 was the first year that I actually saw um, a woman engineer in my personal like experience as a musician. So that that was a big realization for me. Like, oh, I didn't even think about it before. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Just knowing that they're out there and that, you know. No, it's funny. Like, yeah, it, we didn't set out to like, have it be anything like, oh, like, look what we're doing, like, in your face. But it's like, um, even because, uh, you know, I work at a coffee shop. So I told a girl today at work, at, um, she's like, what are you doing after work? And I'm like, oh, we're going to um, lay down some tracks at her home studio. Um, and I was telling her the same story. And I go, yeah, I was like, did you know that um, only there's only 5% of female engineers in, in the industry? And she looks at me and she goes, wow. She's like, that's a lot more than I thought. She's like, well, <laughs> she's like, I, I don't mean that. She's 5% like, is nothing. Like, that's a yeah. tiny little, sorry. After, I saw her I saw her say that, though, and she was just like, that's a lot more than I thought. And I go, she's like, not to, like, shit on myself, but I'm like, I'm like, girl. <laughs> so, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's something, that's something that's borne out by the numbers, and that's something that I will absolutely co-sign to from my experience in recording and audio and stuff like that. It is definitely a boys club. It is the kind of thing that attracts, frankly, you know, some dudes with some spare cash that want to go buy some gear, and they like having uh-huh. toys and playing around. And it's like, uh-huh. it it is not always the most professional environment, unfortunately, for that. And that is a problem, you know, I think, both for the industry and for you know, women in bands, um, you know, femme in general, people that have, that have to deal with people like that. You're, you know, I was thinking of just touching up, and I feel like it's definitely yeah. has a lot to do with just the male ego. I think just yes. by nature, men are so competitive. <laughs> it's how they survive. You know, it's really, truly how they survive in this world. And, you know, that even goes for women. Like, they'll, they're competitive, no matter what you are. You're gay, straight, woman, whatever, you know, and... But I think I also have to say, I don't even know for me, I don't know if in my experience, it's really a competitive thing, because, you know, the stupid part about it is when you get all those guys in a room like that, we all kind of become idiots, you know, like we all just chum out and bro out. And then honestly, like not as much work gets done or it really doesn't get done in like a very efficient way, because it's like, (laughs) you know, everybody's just sort of like hanging out like it's uh, like it's a chill atmosphere. And I think that actually that's one thing that organizations that are more gender balanced in the way I I think they do have a competitive advantage. Cause again, it's like, it just makes it like a more professional environment where people aren't going to like, you know, chum out as much It's like, okay, there, there should be at least, you know, like a more professional respect, like going on there. You know, I think that's beneficial. Exactly. And no doubt. I'm, I'm I'm definitely saying there's, there's not those on them. There certainly are people out there like that in the industry. It just, it's really weird (laughs) when we got into yeah trying to record with other people it was just so disastrous because like it was just the ego and this that there was just something about it where we just felt so like inferior i guess yeah. well, i don't know i don't, I don't want to like that's the thing i was trying to get to like i don't want to say that like it's anything of like it's nothing gender related like it's not like we're shitting on men exclusively um, absolutely you know there's, yeah. there's i met a, there's a lot of great guys who would who would bend over backwards to help us but my point is is that like um with all the studios that we were um I, I almost forgot about this because it's been so long. We've been um, doing so well with learn all this learning is overwhelming as so it's been. But I remember when we started, I forgot the over. We posted, Angie made a post about like, Trocity Girls taking things in her own hands. We're going to record. You won't believe the. If you go back to that post and look at the comments, <laughs> yeah. so many men underneath are like, ha ha, 
good luck and they're like even yeah. some women were, were yeah. actually being very discouraging it was really weird they were like, like you should just go to a studio it's going to be better for you you won't have to work as hard it'll be ready for you just let them do what they do and you'll be just fine mm, well you know it's, it's that old it's that old saying never ask a barber if you need a haircut you know <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yep. no exactly no of, of course it's going to be better if you come to my my studio you know and give me some money <laughs> yeah like, of course of course you're gonna I say love that. that you go back home your friend's like what the hell happened to your hair i want the master cuts and she said <laughs> yay it's been so fun though the pr- the progression and the progress like everything that first day when we actually had the supplies in the room uh upstairs like (laughs) we were kind of just like okay so now what do we do where does this go and so we were really learning as everything um like came in our way so okay we had soundproofing okay so now we're learning about room acoustics yeah and you know okay now we have this interface or you know this gear that we're borrowing from uh, a friend who's not using it Okay, so now we need to learn what an interface does and how that really how that relates to you know et cetera. And so, um, you know, luckily. Oh, and then then, and she goes like, "Oh, <laughs> did you know that we need bass traps?" I'm like, "Why are you putting a booby trap on my bass?" Yeah. So oh, <laughs> it's for the corners. Oh, okay, I, let's get some of those. So it was like, what was really fun is that we ended up learning so, so much as we went along, and it, and it's been you know silly, obviously at times, and there's a lot that now knowing what we know like we would go back and do very differently (laughs) but it's part of the fun and part of the journey and just all being here you know setting up cables and and learning how to to get everything to interact with each other and like i remember that first day when we got the signal like the signal flow johnny's computer yes and like the mic turned on in pro tools and it was so (laughs) exciting that was a huge feat just that little tiny thing almost like boosted the inspiration where we're like okay something as little as this dude we can do it like what's the next step what what can we do the best part of that the best part of that is johnny hasn't changed at all she still taps the mic and says sexual sally yeah like a year later (laughs) dude i haven't changed in 33 years (laughs) so i mean but everything is diy like to to communicate to each other from the control room which is my bedroom (laughs) and like down the hall you know we have walkie talkies and you know it's it's really fun and like they run out of batteries so we're just we're screaming at each other through banging the wall, on the wall. <laughs> it's like okay like one knock and that means like record and she's like i don't think she can hear me i was like shit okay i have to walk down so the hall like, like, like one bang that means okay stop and we'll retry so you'll just hear like a door open and someone's running down the hall and it's just but you know like that's it. we're actually it feels so nice to to record something and then hear it you're playing it back and and it just it's so amazing yeah the control room is in her bedroom so like when we go to listen to the track like we're all just like piling on her bed like we've taken <laughs> over her house dude. oh for sure <laughs> yeah, and then listening know. to the track so it's really exciting i'm all like Ange, do you got another pillow I'm gonna yeah listen, i'm gonna listen to this real quick <laughs> like brian like passes out sometimes oh I've seen for you. sure <laughs> Like snoring. Like depending on how many weed cookies Ryan has had. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, I'm, I'm, oh shit, am I doing bass track? Okay. And she's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The last time that we talked to you, dude, I was so high, like oh I, could, I just God. couldn't even function. Like, <laughs> we're gonna cut this part out because the people don't know about that. But <laughs> oh, right, okay. nobody knows. No. Nobody knows. Never I might mind. Leave that part in anyway. But whatever. Oh, yeah. Continue on. Continue on. Though. Fair enough. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> 
Oh my god! I was wondering about that too because the last time it happened, I was just like, like Johnny didn't say anything for like the first like twenty minutes. I'm like, is she alive over there, dude? Like, I was yeah. like, does your front woman just other than sing? Does she speak? I know, like, the, which is so funny because the most like excited she got, the most vocal she got was when she was talking about the weed and when she was talking yeah, about but then, the no, weed we had the story with like like how I think it was Ryan that got pushed into the lake. Um, oh, she didn't get uh, pushed. Okay. No, no, I, I okay. fell she in the pond. She didn't get pushed yet. My bad. She fell. She, fell. she straight up walked okay, into the correction. fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's the first, that was the first day of soundproofing the walls <laughs> oh, in our studio. Yeah, that's right. What a memory. I know. So that's why the first day of recording will always be reminiscent of Ryan falling in the fucking pond. <laughs> it was so funny. I, I gave her the fattest fucking dab and i got her so sorry the fattest dab and i got her so stoned and i felt bad dude like it was one of those stones where like you know you don't smoke very much when you take a dab it's just like she got me at the right moment because i have a good i have a good self like i have a good like angel on my shoulder and she's like ryan don't do that she's like you know better than this and i'm like but then johnny was on your other shoulder no, no, you like, hey. no. i was gonna say what was happening really? i was so i was so elated from everything happening i was like oh my god we're studio what's going on yeah i was like give me that dab <laughs> But it was so sad. <laughs> like, I mean, that's sad, but like, I was like, yeah, to celebrate, I'm going to show you this like magical place. Yeah. She's like, we should go to the, she's like, she's like, we should go to the serene pond and just like, and just like, um, um, put this memory in our mind forever. Just like, let's go and like hang out. And then we like, we're walking down the path and then I don't know what happened. Like there's a pond, but part of it looked like you could walk on it, apparently. Because there was like <laughs> algae and, or whatever, like green looking <laughs> algae growth that was like no, on the water. That's what made it so disgusting because it's literally covered in, you know, when the green gets so thick, it looks like solid. So that's what it was. Johnny so, and, I, and was, I just heard a splash behind us. <laughs> like, bro, I saw this, like, I saw the entire thing. It was almost like a slow motion. <laughs> and when she fell i was walking up to the pond like literally like trying oh not to laugh but i was laughing but i was still concerned oh i wasn't God. even pissed at her i'm just like <laughs> it's terrible i was like i had my arm around ryan like walking her back but i had to like turn around and look at johnny to laugh because <laughs> i was, I was like, just like <laughs> Because the only thing like, that survived was my wallet because like my some, right. kid, uh, some like band stickers and my eyeliner and my phone my airpods Ooh, that's all right. went to the bottom of the pond Damn. and as we we're walking back to the car i'm like just get me to the car just get me to the car and um will her husband and angie were like do we go back and get it and i was like no you don't understand it's so deep you can't get it oh yeah this isn't like a waiting <laughs> pond no 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 no. ryan <laughs> shot completely down <laughs> submerged like a rock head bro. underwater so, so her husband was like i can go back and fetch it i'm like no you can't like she was down it was so funny because as you were walking it's like she was walking as if she was on a mission she was like let's go this way and so, <laughs> so her, her arms are kind of flailing a little bit and then when she goes down she's like it was oh my and then god it's just it like so funny you see nothing i mean she shot up like a bullet I yeah, mean, i'm telling you guys if you just saw lord of the rings when i fell in i saw dead people like oh I, yeah i shot up so quick like all you hear was just a splash and oh man oh my god oh god but, but ryan's amazing like we got back home and you know what like she cleaned up she emerged the pond princess and she got herself a cocktail and we kept soundproofing the room so yeah, I had to change my clothes. I changed into some of Angie's clothes. Will made me a martini, and I went back up, and I started stapling the fucking wall. Like, like this was all after she puked. Oh, 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Like when we got back, when we took her back here Oops. to the place, and like she like puked on, right. Like I mean, exorcist status, bro. Like right over like three sets, like three Don't steps. Don't tell them that. It was oh, projectile. So and she she pushes me out of the way to like save me, and I like shoot <laughs> over the door, and she just. No. <laughs> it was amazing. Just uh, so like one of the top two best stories. Like, oh, ever. for sure, for sure. And then like the fact that. We we ended the night though together like you know finishing up the ceiling is kind of incredible I know, they kept saying like like do you want to go home and i'm like no we gotta finish this up really. <laughs> I at love first that. you were just I like that. i want to go home yeah we can't we can't go yet we got a job to finish here man uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, just, just because yeah, i yeah, found yeah, the pond yeah. and i'm stupid i was like i gotta finish <laughs> but you can still have some fun while you're at it you know oh my goodness <laughs> so she attacked those walls yeah it was amazing and they're all like, we got red and black soundproofing and, you know, panels and foam and everything for our band colors. And so we just, we had as much fun as possible. And we got red and black paint and like we, we put our um, handprints all over and it was so much fun. Yeah, we did the, like, yeah, red and black handprints all over the walls and stuff. So it just kind of looks like a massacre site of Atrocity Girl. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. it looked like after you fall into a pond. <laughs> Johnny was drawing a trusty girl on the wall and then she started drawing this blood up in the corner and she's like, does that oh, look yeah. like a period stain? <laughs> yeah, dude, we're gonna need a Tampax, guys. Where's my painty lanterns? Oh my oh, god. Man. Why? We were girls. And the, yeah, we're mm. girls. Mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um, oh my god. But then... <laughs> So, oh, oh, one of my favorite things, um, Johnny, as a mechanic and just like amazing with everything, she, we got some plywood and she made this, like the, the floor for the drums yeah. in the room. And then, I mean, everything in there was basically DIY. That's right. Cause, cause uh, Angie, I, who did, I can't remember who you heard it from, but somebody gave you the tip to put the board underneath. Oh yeah. So it's like board and carpet and, and like part of it. And maybe and Brad and, probably and Brad Taylor. Yeah. something about it just helps with the sound or yeah because sometimes sometimes, so sometimes cool. if you can get a drum kit off the the floor level like that there's a resonance that happens from like underneath yes. even just that little yes. bit of space getting that above the floor but yeah yeah I'm familiar with that trick sometimes and I think yeah. we wound mm-hmm. up getting like three quarter inch birch wood yeah which is perfect because birch's wood is what they use in, to make you know some drums like drums sometimes and stuff, yeah which yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which is perfect. Yeah, so you built like a DIY drum riser to go with everything. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, DIY all up in this. Seriously, like she's having, you know, she has her like gin in one hand and her little Fucking like saw, saw her her electric <laughs> yeah, yeah, saw yeah. in the other. She's like, just like <laughs> just going through the board, and you like you can't get the board up anymore. It's I don't know <laughs> the nails that went into that floor. <laughs> Kids, if you're listening to this, don't drink gin and use a saw though. That's probably not a great idea. Oh right, because um, <laughs> we ha- we had to bring this giant piece of board up to the room. It's like we true. didn't know. We didn't have a measuring table. We just didn't know how big we needed it to be. No. My original plan was to do it outside, but then we had it upstairs, and I was like, "F this!" You know, we're just <laughs> again the things we would do differently now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, like, then we, um, I mean, God, we took everything out of there, and then in the closet, that's where the vocal booth is. Like, that's where we put the amp, and yeah. everything in there was just we kind of planned it out with either books or. Like Ryan with her stapler, the staple gun, <laughs> and the foam, and the panels. Um, Johnny hung one of the 
our panels from the ceiling over the drums and it oh they weren't they weren't messing with me with a staple gun they're like you should keep one in your purse and i'm like i will we should do oh, more yeah. of those they could get floating panels on the ceilings and stuff for yeah, sure we should need more of those yeah well now we have the blanket too yeah we got sound blankets so we're like we're, we're doing it mm-hmm you always got to keep the staple gun handy, too, for when you're putting up posters around town and stuff like that. People people used to ask me why I had one of those in the back of my trunk and stuff like that. It's like we didn't have a show, so they didn't see the poster part, you know, but it's like I still held on to the staple guns. I was like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. It's crazy. The things you you don't realize that you need, like in my truck. I mean, I know it looks weird, but I usually have like a thing of rope that's like mixed up with like a, a, like a duct tape. <laughs> it just looks wrong, but... But it's weird how, like, the times you realize you need those things. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, but at least anybody who tries to break into my truck will know, like, oh, God. <laughs> break into a serial killer's truck. I got to get out of here. I was going to say, you break into the wrong truck, you know, you break into the truck mm-hmm. and you see, like, rope and duct tape and all sorts of other stuff. And you're like, yeah. And a screwdriver yeah, that was with it. Exactly. Let's get away from this place. Yeah. We'll just boop. <laughs> things Yay. we do that seem normal to us as musicians but that weirds out you know pretty much everybody right? else in society <laughs> oh god oh what god. is that no pain of mind oh <laughs> it was like yeah. all in a plastic bag like this big plastic bag like the, the, the rope is like inside the the um duct tape oh my god this <laughs> is terrible it's so bad look at the back of my truck all i have is like Dirty bag, some rope, duct tape, and some Vaseline. You're like, fuck. What? <laughs> Wait, Vaseline? <laughs> Whoa, like Vaseline and a straight razor? Um, like, excuse um, <laughs> like, It's okay. weird. I, I literally have a giant axe sitting behind the seat of my truck. Like, nice. It's just a giant fucking giant axe. Perfect. Brand new. That's perfect. <laughs> Don't ask why. She's leaving stuff around, too. There's like a chainsaw in the back of my car. And I I don't even remember when or how it got there, and it's just like oh yeah that must be Johnny's. What about the time that there was that we put the we put the the um what was in the back of the car for the longest time? She had the air conditioner that was in the back of the- <laughs> randomly. We just had an air conditioner back there. It was like she finally used it in the last month, like oh in the summer. It was really nice. Every time we opened the truck and put something in there, we're like, what is it? It was so great. I know. Anyway, it's so, finally you know, in the window. I bought it when I lived on a boat, and then I used it like a handful of times, and then gave it to her. I love it. You know how we are, girls and their accessories. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, rope. Don't no, take no, Angie, no I, I have to put a clip. No, here, Angie's car is beyond that. Like okay. <sighs> Okay, let's, let's not let's, talk about Angie's car. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They it's complain depressing. about the car, but they get in it, so. Yeah, that's very true. We, <laughs> we, get, no yeah, okay, we, we get in <laughs> so it, but true. God knows what you'll find every time. Definitely find old Starbucks cups for show. <laughs> it's true. I think that's every car. And lots of, like, drum gear. <laughs> well, random, that's true, too. Random drum gear, so you know it's her car. Such is the joy of, of DIY recording and having a, a nice community of people you're yeah. around during this global pandemic. And we're fiddling, well, while, we're fiddling while Rome burns, you know? Yes. So, so fun. Yeah. And, <laughs> and learning from the greater audio community, too. Well, and women in audio through the group has been, it, it became global. Like, we've been learning from women in Brazil and yeah. Ecuador and yeah. London. And we've been, we've been having these Zoom classes for the group. So we've been able to meet all of these different women working in, you know, their field or their specialization of mixing or Foley or, you know, post-production and what have you. And, and yeah, so even though we're kind of in this lockdown predicament, we can still meet people from, from other places. So that's been really cool. What are some of the other bands you miss around Seattle that you played with? 
Nurse Ratchet. I was just gonna say <laughs> yes, Nurse Ratchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I, um, she's an amazing bass player, an, an amazing, an amazing vocalist, amazing bass player, and everything. Definitely Nurse Ratchet. Do you have any any favorite bands that you've <laughs> we've played with? That, any bands that we've played with that you miss playing with? Oh, Atrocity Girl. Yeah. I mean, I've met so many bands over all the years I've been in the music scene. So there's, I mean, with Atrocity Girl, after I joined, there was only a handful of live shows that I played. Oh. Deadbeat Blackout. Yeah, Deadbeat yeah. Blackout's yeah. one of them. Uh, Watch Rome Burn. Um, I did like, uh, who else did we play with that I actually could say? Um, no Baby. No Baby, yeah. Um, my other band that we played with, Mallory. Obviously, I'm biased. Yeah, of course. I love. Um, who else did I play with before we left or before I joined? No, after you joined. Or after I joined, Yeah, we're, just, we're talking about after, like, the bands that we played with together. Yeah, with AG, that's all the ones so far. But Yeah, it was really sad. We were booked through the year, and then, you know, kind of a month after Ryan joined, everything was canceled. Mm. So. It really sucked, yeah, because, like, Man. with my other bands, I've, I've met tons of bands in the scene. All bands I was actually excited to play again with in Atrocity Girl. Um, yeah, and I was totally bummed out after we canceled all the shows. So hopefully more, but but yes, shout out to Debbie Blackout because we love them. Yes, Woo. we're waiting on the live shows to come back. But in the meantime, I want to take a break here and let's play this new single of y'all's, and we'll come back here in just a minute with Atrocity Girl. Dope. Titty. <laughs>
many of us as dope, one should finish it off with titty. Let's be real. Dope titty. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. Johnny started it. She started saying dope titty. Yeah. I've like turned them on to just weird phrases, like weird things to say, like that other people wouldn't say. I know, and I'm st- <laughs> I'm starting to say it at work, like um. Like I'm at work and like someone, I want someone to pass me something. I'm like, hey, will you slap me that real quick? And they're like, you want me to slap you with this? And I'm like, no, slap me the pan, give it. Because <laughs> I say the word slap. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Those are my favorite moments when it's like the world's colliding because that happened last week. Um, my day job as an instructor at um, North Seattle. Um, community college even though it's online right now but I was doing a share screen and it was something you know it was something um, for a book or something but then like all my files for fuck yourself just like came on <laughs> instead <laughs> I was like <laughs> and there I am in my you know my blazer and I'm of like course, yeah. excuse me <laughs> like actually let's you know turn to chapter or whatever and it just like sorry just, this uh, is my after hours persona Yes, exactly. I don't talk about this on LinkedIn. (laughs) So it was just so silly. Angie's like a Jacqueline Hyde dude. Like she really is. It's weird. Like she has these two different like personalities. Like she's like this amazingly professional type or whatever. And like the other hand, like she'll stab a mother. (laughs) She'll stab a bitch. It's true. Angie is the most. And she's the most professional, but also just like, like yeah. wild lady I've ever met. We were just talking about that. Like, Dude, yeah. me and Ryan were just talking about that. I was like, I looked at her. I was like, I'm scared of Angie. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like sometimes like Johnny, no, it's no, but it's a double sided coin because just the other night I was being like, yeah, I was like, we love Angie so much. We can come to her for anything. And Johnny's like, yeah, I understand. She's like one of the most. Easiest. I mean, it's true. Like, yeah, and I was like, Angie's like one of the only people like, that can like put me in my place. Like, <laughs> she'll just give me a look, and I'm like, okay, I'm just. Like, Okay. No, it's true. But other days she'll be like, "Do you want to? Do you want some gin? You want to talk about this?" I'm like, "Oh God, what is, what is happening?" Jekyll or Hyde. Hey, you know you gotta keep people on their toes. She, she's like, she's like the, right. she's like the band mom almost. Um, yeah. You have no idea. Like she is the den mother. She's like the den mother of a girl. You know how they say the drummer is the heartbeat. Like bro, she is like she the is the heartbeat of like, everything and more. She's like the kidneys and the liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my liver, liver might be going <laughs> at this point, but <laughs> you've got two more over here. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, that's so sweet though. Like I just, I, I love these girls so much so it's just my life <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. like dude for real like she was the first one to get an atrocity girl tattoo and then the yeah. day that we went and got it it was just like there was something about that day where i was like oh my god like it was like a moment for me i was like she's dead serious about this like she is to me like as a person an artist and i'm also a tattoo artist as well i'm like that is a huge commitment yeah. and so i knew i was like she's a lifer bro <laughs> like we're doing this like we're doing this it was my fa- my first tattoo ever and johnny came with me and it was a whole deal wow it was amazing awesome. it, was it was amazing and then they slapped this big ass one on my arm very yeah. true. It's actually really not big at all. So, oh, <laughs> she said it was the big out of all of us. Mine's the biggest one. <laughs> I know. Okay. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> so, I mean, 
Mm, she sat down like in front of Johnny with the needles. So I don't know what she was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, it looks sexual. Okay? It is. Yeah. The only thing is that people keep asking me to see if it's the Avengers. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> Trust me, girl. <laughs> FYI, that is now a patented um, logo. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've had fun cases of like tattoo misidentity like that. Yeah. Like people, I, I have this one that's like, um, it was an album art from a record I recorded years ago. Shout out to Mind You. But yeah, the the cover art was a Photoshop version of Albert Einstein. And it was like on my leg. So sometimes I'd wear shorts. And one time I went through the drive-thru. And the woman working in the drive-thru thought it was like um, Colonel Sanders from KFC. Oh, like from a distance. Oh, <laughs> no. You're like, yeah, I missed that up on my fast food. Like. I, I wasn't bad or anything. I just I thought no. it was funny, man. It was like that's oh, hilarious from a because di- it was a black and white tattoo, and from a distance, like yeah, I could you know oh I could see God. like what happened with that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's, that's so funny. Tattoo misidentity that's is always silly. you know that's always fun. Job, <laughs> or not maybe. Johnny, what did you just say? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about this. I, I might be open to it. I said, Ryan. No, I know what you said. I'm thinking about it. Okay. All right. They're just, they're, they're <laughs> needing some more alcohol. So they're just going back and forth. I just offered yeah. a sexual favor to get the gin. Yeah. I'm, she's I'm, she's I'm over here offering some things. <laughs> <laughs> some R-rated. Just don't offer what you can't deliver. <laughs> like, um, honey, you know I deliver. Oh, my. <laughs> anyway, so someone owes something, yeah, to another one of us later for some gin. Just keep it at that. But anyway, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but yes, but the logo is trademarked now through our LLC. So that's another huge thing, actually, about 2020, you know, with all this time on our hands. Um, we really kind of we came together as a business as well as a band. And so, you know, we have our own. Um, like official bank account and ev- all these official papers and our business license and and then eight months later, so it just happened a little while ago. The the logo was finally trademarked, approved for trademarking. So, you know things like that have been incredible. Those little steps like that that make you feel like, oh yeah, it's happening. It's official. It's you so know, like, fun. It does. This, it feels know? so official, especially after. I mean, we went back and forth. Maybe every few weeks, there would be more paperwork or another question answered, or like the um, they would need the lawyer. Someone would need proof of of you know a t shirt sold or oh, have you actually used this out in public? Even with a ton of evidence, <laughs> they would they would just constantly need more and more. So it took eight months of back and forth for it to actually be approved. And so it really did feel like a milestone, especially since we had started recording. It, it felt like things were really solidifying. Um, Man, you all got lawyers involved. You're official. Oh, we're official. <laughs> um, but also that's, yeah, I just, you know, we just want to be protected in every way. Um, so my advice to anybody starting out too, is just make sure, you know, like the, you know, what you're, what you're getting into as far as how, um, how you're protected and how your, your material and content is protected. Cause it's your, it's your art, it's your baby. So, but, uh, um, started from nothing. Started from a piece of paper. Like I was in, I was vacationing with my best, with one of my best friends in Rochester, New York, and this was around the time where we were really like, yeah, we were getting serious about everything with Atrocity Girl, and um, I had, <laughs> sorry, I'm making a Anyways, um, I, I was up on the alcohol. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> I mean, for the longest time, like it, I was trying to figure out how to like to create the logo, and then it just sort of came to me like the the just like the couple of days before I left, and I had jotted it down like on a piece of paper, and I wound up accidentally leaving it in my truck, and I had the idea. And then when I, when I was in New York, I was sitting at the table at night and stuff, and I like drew it up, drew it up real quick and whatever, and I sent it to Angie. I just did it on this little piece of you know ruler paper or whatever, and and then that's that was it. And then we kept it since then. It's been like the exact same logo, and you know like nobody has it. And it was like it came from me, it came from us, and and it felt like unique and special. And I like the idea. Like my favorite thing about logos because I love making logos is is being able to sort of intertwine the lettering together so it works. And like it did, you could put the G on the A, and it just looks sick. No, and, and both of them really taught me because my my other tattoo on my right arm is at my other band Mallory, and I, it's a really intricate design, but. Um, all the stuff with AG, I was like, yeah, it's really important to like make sure that no one can take your stuff. So, I think yeah. I think Angie and Johnny were more into that than I was because I had gotten lost in just like how simple just playing live shows are. Yeah. Um, I think with me being with the Trusty Girl, has taught me more about the industry itself. Um, outside of just playing a live show, because I think a lot, and I heard that from multiple people after um, I joined HE, where they were like, yeah, a lot of bands forget, they get lost in just, you know, like, oh yeah, we're a jam band, we're gonna go play, I'm like, yeah, but is all your stuff, like, trademarked, are you, like... Well, and I just, I, I, you know, honor these women so much, and their creativity, and you know the lyrics and and it's just like i want to make sure johnny's protected i want to make sure her lyrics are protected and so that's always on my mind like okay whatever we're doing spend a little time like each morning just making sure i've you know every we've all gone through everything and um but what's super fun about the logo is that um our the tattoo artist that did my tattoo and johnny's tattoo um like sim uh, not simplified it but created the a and g with um just kind of clearer lettering than the the hand-drawn AG originally, but the hand-drawn AG is the one that's on the drum head. Yep. So it has that kind of like drawing, um, a little bit of like the curvy, wiggly. The edginess. <laughs> yeah, the uh-huh. edges. So I always thought that was kind of fun. And then that night of the tattoo was the first time we played Fuck Yourself together. Um, I so. remember the day... Like, I remember the day, too, that, like, I finally, like, it started out as just a chorus. And I think this is when we were at our old jam space at Substation. So yeah, we were just, yeah, like, yeah. one block over. And it started out, like, as a chorus. And then we just started playing it. I had, like, no lyrics to it at the time. But after a while, like, after, I think it was after we moved to the new spot. And I, I didn't have lyrics for it for the longest time. So, like, <clears throat> we wound up actually jamming it. And I was like, I got lyrics for it. And... Yeah. It's, also, it's always been my favorite song. I like. There's like a, um, what's what's the scientific word like kinetic like feeling yeah. between Johnny and I like when we're playing strings and I look over at her and we play that song. Yeah, like it's intense. Like I love that song. I love when we have those moments where we sort of look at each other and it's just like we almost feed each other's energy to just hit the strings yeah. even harder. In. And like, that's one of the things. The bass line I wrote for "Fuck Yourself" was it's so like. I don't know. After I wrote it and Johnny like loved it, I was just like, I'm feeling it every time I play this. Like it's and to the point where I was like begging them before we left practice. I was like, Can we play that just one more time? <laughs> and it's true. Like you you added this richness to it with the bass that I never even I would never even pictured in my own mind. You know, like in my own mind and the way that I would have played it would have just been too like it just would have been too simple. 
and she added just like so much to it so much depth and i was really really excited and it's just started to sound like a full song and then every time we play it it's like i can always feel so much energy and emotion and behind it mm -hmm. and then like we'll play it harder you know and especially when we get to the breakdown we're just well, everyone, like we go nuts everyone everyone <laughs> knows that feeling when you get the tingles in your arms and your in your back oh and you're god. like you're like oh god here it comes it's, it's it's what i live for with this music stuff yeah i, I uh -huh. live for yes. those moments they're the best oh my god yeah. that little pause and you're like oh here we go yeah, we're like and shiny that here Johnny scream oh man i just oh, i just whip it on stage the the, the show that we played at luigi's i was like slapping my head so hard oh my god I think my hair like hit the floor and i was <laughs> yes and those are the <sighs> moments too like when the hi-hat like it'll be you know five feet away from me because i've just been like <laughs> just you know beating on it so hard <laughs> it's just like oh it's so much fun you that last note is like way over here <laughs> yeah. it's true because like as we're playing it I feel like we're all feeling the words too as well. And certainly like when yeah, when I'm singing it and playing it and stuff, I always put myself into this place where I it's almost like I get these flashbacks and these memories throughout my entire life of all of these people telling me that I couldn't do something that I know that I could, you know? Like like Angie was saying like I'm a, I'm a mechanic and I do a lot of stuff that I work in a very male dominated world. It's always been like that for me. I've always been around men like i'm from alaska where the ratio male to female there's a lot more men so it's been yeah it's been a crazy life and even having certain men in my life and just certain people you know it's they've really influenced me some of them very negatively but some of them very very positively so when i think about playing that song it's almost like i'm talking to all the people who are just like laughed at me or made fun of me or just you know what i mean just made me feel like i was less than you know a human and so i think that's what the that's what the song is truly about and it was it wasn't about anybody in particular i mean it could be <laughs> if you wanted it to but it was really just about tackling life itself and saying you know fuck you i'm sorry f you i can do this and you know i don't i don't care what you say about me and i don't care about the things that you think about me and you know that's really what it was truly about so it's nice being able to have these girls jam it with me they've made the song possible like i never would have had this song become what it is if it wasn't for them like they just made it what it is like especially with every other song i've ever written the songs i introduce like they play them in a way that i've never would have heard them before and it's like incredible to hear it come to life like like these songs that i wrote have a heartbeat if that makes sense like no it's so it's so awesome because like with johnny it's like um a lot of my other songs i write a lot of um like I, I can eat it. I can eat it. I can. I can, or not eat. Oh my god! I can um, write a super like lighthearted song, super fun. Um, but I I have my deep songs too that I write. But yeah, as a front woman who writes her own songs, like that's another reason that excited me about um, what Angie said earlier about atrocity girls. Johnny's lyrics, like I don't know, like when you're singing a lighthearted song, you know what it is. But there's a lot of people who write deep songs, and you can tell they're not serious about it. They're like, oh, we should have a deep song because bands do like we should write a song about like having a rough time but like i mean that's true like it goes it goes to say too with kitty junk like when you guys first started and you guys were just jamming and stuff and now like the stuff because ryan is an incredible she's a fantastic lyricist and a fantastic guitar player like so she's just super talented and then 
like they've been playing with kitty junk and stuff and and the more that they've evolved it's like you can tell like her lyrics have even changed so much her the way that she screams and sings has evolved and it's like I don't know something is just awoken in you and it's incredible and I think it's, it's part I think it's you like I, I think Johnny and I feed off each other like we're both these two amazing like um uh just like musicians and songwriters and like I don't know I, I feel the same way about Johnny's stuff it's like I watch her and I'm just like holy hell I'm like, wow. Yeah. Same. So, same. I think we're just pinging off each other, and it's only all it's doing is just bringing us higher ground every time, and it's awesome. That's the foundation of a good band like that, where you feed off each other's energy in that way, and you kind of push each other to want to go higher and do more and, and everything like that. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of bands like that who, like, it only, it just, like, it falls into a toxic realm. But like with Johnny, uh, Johnny and I, and even with Angie, like it, like we're all just so close. We spend yeah. so much time together. That's why this quarantine has been so special to us. Cause like that moment we decided to like, okay, well it's either we can all stay home with everyone else or we can quarantine together and get this album done and record and just spend all the holidays together and the year together. And it's done nothing but just bring us so incredibly close. Oh my God. Yeah. And even, I mean, even when someone's at work or something, we're still talking, like there's still a thread to catch up on even through the day like before someone gets off work i mean so it's just it's kind of silly but it's also amazing and we're just we have so much fun with each other I think well, like even last night like I, I, got, I had an uber delivery of, i had an uber <laughs> delivery of, uh, of chipotle and i had to text them on the third i was like oh my god the driver is so hot i was like you guys don't even know what's happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like or if it's super like late if it's like 2 a.m i'll text them and i'll be like i just wanted some eggs like i'm just just down here making some eggs. I mean, it's so like two it's two so a.m. is like when I'm like I, I kind of like wake up just right before I wake because I wake up at like four thirty five in the morning. So I'll hear my phone buzz at two. I'm like, Angie, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm just making some eggs, <laughs> bro. It's like a marriage, like no joke. Yeah. There's like yeah, constant yeah, yeah, yeah. communication with us. Like they'll know if I'm having a bad day, or I'll know if they're like something's wrong. You know, I'm just like, what's up? <laughs> it's so every, funny. Every band like, like that. It's it's like a polyamorous marriage. Like every oh, for sure, for sure. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Love, you know. Oh my god, that's so much fun. But. <laughs> A literal polyamorous marriage? Or, uh, no, never no, mind. No, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> saying anything. No, just kidding. No, no comment. <laughs> Can we do no comment on podcast? I've been joking lately that like COVID has just turned the whole world's social relationships into one big polyamorous relationship because now it's like Seriously. you can't just hang out with someone anymore. You have to be like, well, who are they hanging out with? Like, have they been tested? Are they not? You trust Oh, my God. Them? <laughs> yes. That's so true. Oh my god, that's one phrase. Only COVID, you can say that. I was like, have you been tested? <laughs> <laughs> Only in COVID will you ask your friend like, you should get tested before you come see me. <laughs> true, dude. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I. Oh my goodness. I get that from my drum students too, like because we're we're six feet apart and we have like masks, but also this like barrier in between us. And they'll like tell me they'll bring like their little paper that says they're negative like yeah, before yeah. they come in oh my God. I'm like what? okay well then let's drum together oh that is adorable <laughs> so paper? it's oh yeah like they will constantly update me about their like COVID status oh. heaven yeah. forbid you actually get it who you been hanging out with all oh, my seven wives but it's so <laughs> funny because <laughs> and I'm like I'm just here but I mean most of my lessons have like switch to zoom obviously yeah but even then you know it's it's just really incredible how how much this has changed everybody's perception of like 
you know, personal <laughs> relationships in business. And it's funny. How, how much do your students get a chance to like listen to the work that you do with that? with atrocity girl like is that a thing or oh yeah like i mean i'm really i'm i'm really like proud of atrocity girl so i will um the first thing i'll do is send a link to the work and you know if they're not like vibing on it then first of all they don't need to say anything but um, <laughs> also yeah. Yeah. um yeah i haven't really i haven't run into that yet you know the parents of smaller kids don't let don't let them listen Obviously, to it yeah that's um, different but, but yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, for my yeah. older students um either they're into this kind of music anyway because i mostly teach rock drums and all and mostly girls and women and the majority of my students are double kick players, so yes. they're fine. You know what's funny about that, though, is I find that's like, you know, being the age I'm at now, um, when I started playing guitar at age 11, I think back and I'm like, all of the bands that I listened to who back then were considered vulgar, <laughs> or, you know, like, like for example, when I found like Blink-182 or like Slipknot, <laughs> I, when my mom, oh my God, I have to tell you, yeah. when my mom found the Slipknot album art oh, um, yeah, yeah, I remember for that. Iowa in my, in, in my uh, CD case, she's like, oh my God, she's like, what is this demented garbage? <laughs> it's just a go, I was literally just listening it's to just that before you pulled up to pick really? me up the oh, Iowa yeah, album. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm a huge, I'm very influenced by it, Slipknot. So, yes. but, but also, Hello, so uh, years tattoo. ago, I actually did music. I was writing I never published it because I didn't want to go down this route. I worked at a preschool and I wrote my own originals for preschool kids. They weren't licensed. I didn't pat, I didn't TM them, but I just, um, you know, the, the home teachers, they already sing like patty cake and like, you know, the wheels on the bus, they already do the classic stuff. So, um, my, um, director, she was like, well, she's like, you're going to play music for the kids. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I will ask the teachers what their theme is and I will write like original music. Like if they're singing a song about boats, I'll write a song about sailboats. It's easy. Yeah. just whipping words together it didn't need to be high tech or anything it's for five-year-old kids um but i eventually quit the preschool even though the parents were um, asking me for the lyrics and the songs she's like my kid was singing a song at home and i can't find it anywhere and i'm like it's because i wrote it you won't find it anywhere and she's like well where can i buy your album and i was like i don't have one um but the two years after i left the preschool the one thing that i learned the most is that kids you know are always learning and evolving and they're gonna find their own way um the worst thing about kids are the parents yeah. hands down like kids are innocent kids Ruth. kids will find their way they're not going to become evil they're not going to become gay they're not going to become like anything that's like bad they're going to find their own way like when i was 11 i didn't become anything crazy um, i am who i am and i found the music i did and i play the music i do but at the worst thing you know the parents influence can be one of the worst things i know a lot of the music for me that i found when i was younger is like that was my escape actually you know Mm -hmm. from a lot of the the bad emotions that i was going through back then you know it's like you you put on a record and you know it's it's not going to make you feel worse about who you are it's it's going to make you feel better Mm-hmm. And I love it. I think it's incredible, especially growing up and going through puberty. You know, music interprets what we're feeling, the things that we can't talk about when you know when we're growing up. Especially like you know, if you've sort of grown up in a in a world where you know maybe your parents were very present, and you really just had to sort of depend on yourself to learn everything, and the only thing that you had to comfort you was you know the music. And I think also too, like um, I, I you know a lot of artists really take tend to take that and utilize that to try to help others which i think is incredible and that's that's why we listen to our favorite bands like that's why they do what they do you know because they're they're expressing their own feelings throughout their own lives and they're trying to tell us and let us know that we're not alone although i will say the worst thing i ever did 
I forgot what age we were, but my mom and dad hired a Christian babysitter and we were doing like this Bible study. This is back when I was a kid, kid. Um, the worst thing I ever did is I think, I, is if I can recall correctly, my stepbrothers and I, we tore a couple pages out of the Bible. We ran upstairs, we locked the door, and then we played Limp Bizkit, chocolate starfish, and the hot chocolate flavored water. Chocolate <laughs> as, as loud as we could. She, she was banging on the door. She's like, you kids are in so much trouble. She's like, when your parents get home. That's so. But that's like that's like the worst thing I, I did. So Listening to that terrible music. There, actually, no. I I would be mad if my kid. Well, if they were listening to Limp Bizkit, not because I have anything against the band. I'm like, how could you have such terrible taste? No, I'm not. hilarious. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen to this. Not give me that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh God, let me no. let me give you Iowa. Get, yeah, listen listen yeah. to that. Nice. <laughs> I had the best like the Just funniest that. experience the other night because for one of the like homework assignments for class for audio is to you know put your headphones on make sure you listen to an album like on youtube so it's in stereo or you know however you can get it in stereo and i i remember i put on um see so one of the options was prince sign of the times and it's just such a just a yes. masterful album and masterfully engineered shout out susan rogers <laughs> and it's no, prince. but then i was just like lying there you know with my headphones on and i felt like oh my god i'm 16 again <laughs> like it just was so that feeling of escape and listening to amazing music and just having your headphones on and just like closing out the world and just really diving into the sounds and I feel like I really I noticed that I wasn't doing that as much and I was like oh my god I just this is what I'm gonna do like all day every day is just like lie back and put my headphones on it's strange to think back to that time because it's like that's all we had back then we didn't right, have social media we didn't huh? have social media in those days you know we didn't have like phones right? you could just run into or something like hey you just you get home you put on a record and just zone out for like three hours you that's, know? that's what like, i mean and it. i realized how much i missed the sound where plugging my my buds into the phone or something i was like oh my god the sound i was like i was freaking out just how much better everything sounded and i think you know just getting into engineering in general and recording has obviously made it um there's just such a glaring difference now that i i really am paying attention to so it was it's just so nice to, were, um, to listen there were i remember memories of that like i would um back then i actually still had the walkman yeah the yeah. yellow Walkman yes. with the clip and the headphones. Yes. Yes. I had that. And I remember, because I lived down in Yelm and it's, we had some anchorage on a property. Um, and I remember like putting on the headphones and putting in, um, I forgot what, I had a couple different tapes, but um, I just remember putting in the tape and then just walking out to the back 40 with a stick and my cat would follow me and I'd go on adventures yeah. with my cat in, in my backyard and I would like whap the sticks and walk through the brush and I would dig in the dirt with it just listening to my headphones after school. No Facebook, no MySpace, no. Same. I definitely did a lot of that too. I was always very creative even when it came to like building things and or um, I started working as, literally as soon as I had turned 14 years old because I wanted yeah. a job so bad, like a weird workaholic that way. But um, as I started working, I would be going to high school and going to work at the same time, like, you know, and then I'd be doing other studies, like I'd be doing classes through the through UAA, um, the University of Alaska, doing like um, side classes. So I had all this shit going on. But the, I felt like the only thing that got me through all of that and then just having like you know parents that were very very they just weren't there so it was always dependent on my own feelings and my just experiencing the world by myself 
And the only thing that truly got me through that, even and now that I'm 33, it's like it, it's never changed, but I've always been, you know, I'm a huge Massive Attack fan. The girls know I'm a huge Massive Attack fan. So I felt that way listening to Mezzanine. It's going to sound weird, but Massive Attack has like that band for some reason or that group they have like influenced me to write and play the songs that I play now even though they're a rock genre that group they've influenced me the most throughout my entire like musical anything like endeavors and and I remember just like going through high school listening to to them and like nobody else knew who they were there was nobody else in my high school that knew who Massive Attack was I thought it was the weirdest one that listened to the weirdest music but it was special to me. No, it was same, like same like when I was a kid, I I thought I was the only one. I loved um actually I was listening to things like uh Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman and I would also listen to like Jun- Juno Reactor and Don Davis from the Matrix Reloaded soundtrack. Oh, the Juno Reactor song Juno- that was on the Matrix 2 soundtrack. I, yeah, I used to play so, that. And one I was like listening repeat. to stuff like that on the bus and All everyone day. else was like, "Yeah, I'm into yeah. like you should be listening to Corn and Deftones and like I listened to that too. I listened to that too. But, I know, you know. So, like, well, so, did, so did I but then I'd also catch myself <laughs> listening to that other stuff and I'm the same as Johnny like actually even though I play a lot of punk in my style a lot of my influences are like these epic like somatic like movie artists like Hans Zimmer and like Juno Reactor and things like that and I'm like wow like it's such a broad like influences like they don't have to be the same music you play Electronica like I'm a huge yeah. fan of Electronica and it's weirdly influenced me and in, like beats that I've thought up in my mind or something like that like I do the same thing, I think, with The Cure Disintegration. Like, that was such a huge influence on me. And even though I don't, I mean, I really don't play like that at all. And I I love, like, kind of, like, faster, harder music. I can still get in that mood where it's just like, go away, mom, I'm listening to The Cure. You know, and it's like, (laughs) I want to be sad and gloomy and in my room alone in the dark. And so I think that's very, like, a big part of me, that doesn't necessarily translate into everything, but it's it's there. It's always there. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah, as much as like the AFI hymn and like the used I listen to, I'm like, man, I have a lack of like sad songs. I love AFI. <laughs> well, AFI's got a lot of dark songs. Right. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm like, I listen to a lot of that stuff and a lot of it has influenced my playing, but I was like, I thought about my whole like original like set list and I'm like, I really don't have any songs like like that where I'm just like Cut my wrist and black my eyes. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> so. It's funny because I don't really have any like upbeat songs. Like I don't think you guys have really ever heard me play. Yeah, any that's why we're opposites. My songs are so like poppy and like. I just grew up in a very yeah. like dark world, and I've had a really strange past where it's like it sounds it kind of sound weird, but it's like that's all I know. And I also suffer from a very very mild form of bipolar disorder, so I do go through swings where the depression is what I feel the most, more than the hypomania. And even when I'm feeling hypomanic, it's like there's it's it's weird. I'll feel depressed at the same time and stuff. And it's the like f- that's why we're opposites. I my experience is that I've um. Everyone knows I'm a huge Green Day fanatic, but and everyone thinks their music is like happy, happy. But if you listen to his lyrics, like it's it's that happy music laced into like that. But sometimes it's deceptive, yeah. And it sounds strange, but like sometimes, like I feel like it's more powerful when you embrace the darkness and you know inside you to release it through music and stuff. Because I feel that's where that's just where most of like the experience of life and your emotions really come from and evolve. Like. That's that's the da- that's the only upside of going through a hard time in life. Yes. Is that, yeah, I do think it is an impetus for for great art in that way. It's like way. the curse I mean, of I, the musician. <laughs> We're all cursed somehow so in a dark true. dark world. 
Oh it's just funny God. listening to Johnny's and I genres though, the way they're different. And I'm just like, but sometimes the songs that I listen to when I'm playing these AG songs, I'm like, I relate to this profoundly. But when I hear when I hear the emotion in my head, that's not how I would come out of me less you know what i mean but that's what's great that's what i love about it yeah Yeah. we each come from different places different backgrounds with very different influences um and i think that you know it combined together it it makes something unique hopefully um but the sound of all of us are just it's incredible it's like all the influences the way it's just mixing in this pot is just insane yeah that definitely goes back to like the Jekyll and Hyde thing because I can be so like like Manson is my spirit animal (laughs) 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 but but I you know I love upbeat like lunatics punk type of you know music like that too and and so like I love going between those vibes um as well and Manson was my first concert too, so there's just something that's untouchable about that experience. What, what year was that that you went to go see him? Was that like '98, '99 like around there? Two thousand one. Okay. Oh, two thousand. Like my first okay, big yeah, concert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And yeah, that would have been and like, I, like kind of peak Manson era, right around there, right? It Is really like was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand one. Yeah. So like and yeah, freshman. Like where I actually like paid to get it. <laughs> anyway, my first official concert. Awesome. <laughs> and like I still <laughs> I still have one of the streamers in um like upstairs from that concert because it just it meant so much at the time. But I think that's why I like playing live shows. My mom actually was opposite. She didn't want me going to live shows. My mom kept me very sheltered. She didn't want me to go out at all. So my first concert, my uncle had to take me to, and it was Kiss 106.1, Jingle Ball Bash, headlining Cartel, Pussycat Dolls, JoJo, Fall Out Boy, and um, I think Backstreet Boys. That wow. sounds like peak 2005. Wow. <laughs> and that was my first concert because that's the only concert I could ever get to. Like My mom didn't want me going to concerts. So I, I, as much as punk as I am, I never claim to be like the punk, punk, punk scene because like, you are, growing up though, I grew up in Yelm in the sticks. My mom was just like, oh, you're not going to a concert. And if you do, I need names, numbers, where you're going. Oh, I need to know everything about you, what you're doing. I know it sounds weird, but I wish my mom was like that. Like she was so absent. Like she did, had no idea like the things that I did. She just knew that I worked. And went to school. No, my mom kept me on such a tight leash, and my sister and I, like, yeah, my first concert wasn't until, like, high school. So. Straight up. I think that's why I listen to so much music, though. Like, I, even though I went, never went to a concert, I, like, listened to so much music in the radio. Yeah. Because yeah. oh. I was as close to a concert as you could get. Yeah, exactly. I remember at one point, I want to say I was about 13 years old. And it was so funny because that was around the time where I really started hearing like electronic music, electronica. And I was, I was like, what is this? I, I realized that I loved rock music so much. And I was little, when I was younger, I was yeah, 13. I had like this little black boom box and it, like I was using like record the tapes. Yes. And so there was like this illegal radio station that was playing it was i think it was playing for only a few months but i would rush back home from school and i would go to my little radio thing i turn on the station i'd be jamming out to electronic music it was so new to me and i was like this is just incredible 
And then I would take my little tape and I would, didn't matter if it was like something on the tape, I would record over it, but I pushed the record and play yes! button at the same time. Oh! And I would re- record all these electronica songs. And and then a few months later, I, they were they were taken off the air because I don't think they were supposed to be on that signal. Radio, yeah. <laughs> but it was so cool because I oh, felt like such a rebel, you know what I mean? It was like one of my yes. first introductions into electronica music because... I loved rock so much, and then I discovered Nine Inch Nails. I was like, oh my God, you can take the two and put them together. Whoa! <laughs> that was, that's amazing. <laughs> I did the same thing, but actually, it's weird. I started playing guitar freshman year I'm in high school, but like in middle school, seventh grade, I was, for a minute, super heavy into like rap and r&b and i did the same thing johnny oh, well, did yeah. i could actually i think at one point in eighth grade i think i think i could recite the eminem show verbatim i feel like i yeah i like i think we grew up on it too like late 80s early 90s stuff like old dre old snoop like but the thing but the thing know, is with johnny though I, then i found like punk rock and i started to find like blink 2 green yeah. day jimmy world and i was like holy crap i love this i want to play guitar the first time I ever heard, like, it's not like electronic, electronic, was Daft Punk. Like, oh, what is? you know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. But it was like coming uh-huh. from rock. And like the first time I heard that song, you know, I was like, use it. you know what I mean? And I was like, what's happening? What's happening? And I was just like rocking out. I was just nice. dancing in my room. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Although <laughs> I love Daft Punk. It's too. so good. The year right it's before so the year right before I started playing guitar. So I'll admit this. I didn't start playing guitar because I'm good at it. I started playing guitar because it was a lie. Because I at what? the the eighth grade year into ninth grade year, the summer I went to my dad because my parents were divorced. Every other summer I go to my dad's house. I the neighbor had his condo had a garage sale i found a ukulele <gasps> i brought it inside his house and my dad loved the oldies he always had the oldies on so he nice. he saw me like or he like i went home and my mom could like tell i was playing like the it was like only on one string i was just playing the melody line but she caught me playing like the melody line to like mellow yellow and um a pretty woman and stuff like that oh. and she's just like oh my gosh and she's like you're getting really good at that ukulele and i brought it to school one day and this kid his name was nate and he goes hey, hey. um oh shit i'm or shoot i almost forgot um <laughs> but yeah but he was sitting there he had his guitar he's like you play guitar and are any instruments i'm like i play yeah i was like i play ukulele and guitar he's like you play guitar and i go yeah uh i mean and then i went home and i was like oh crap yeah, I gotta learn it. Quick. Hell yeah. So, but eventually, I mean, a story for another time, but eventually my stepdad uh, bought me a guitar and I brought it to school and I'm like, yeah, 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 I play. I play. Yeah. It just so happened to be that like, I just, some for some reason, it just like hit my soul and I didn't stop. Yeah. There, were, there was something about it too. I, ha- I want to touch up on that as well. So my dad was actually a guitar player. He died when I was about five years old, but he was a fantastic guitar player. Like he only played Fender Stratocasters and Crate Amps. And I remember... um hearing him as a child and I think that really stuck with me because you know when when you're a a baby in the womb you hear everything that happens so you hear what happens in the outside world so my dad playing guitar you know while my mom was pregnant for nine months it's like that's all I heard and so when I was five years old or just before I turned five years old I got a Christmas gift and it was like this little tiny guitar and it was all yellow and it was plastic and I'm five years old I thought it was the coolest thing that I had ever gotten because my dad played guitar so I'm over there like rocking on my little plastic strings and shit and I'm like five 
five years old. I thought it was so cool. And so, so I had this passion for guitar. And like anytime that I'd see a guitar, I, I would just, I would go nuts for it. Like I wanted it. When I was in like preteens and my teenage and through high school, I would always have Guitar World magazines or like magazines where you could buy guitars and I'd cut them out and I would collage the crap out of my walls out of all these guitars that I'd wanted, you know? And then um, I think it was, I was about nine years old. And my uncle, he had this um, old Memphis guitar. It was like an off-brand Defender. But it was a gorgeous, beautiful guitar. It was all red. It was like almost like your first love. Like when you <laughs> first fall in love with somebody. And I would always want to go to his apartment. I'd beg my mom to go to his apartment because I knew that the guitar was there. And I would beg my uncle just to open the case because I'd sit there like on my knees and I'd just stare at it and I'd touch it and just really gentle. Like I'd be kind of a shy, but I'd sit there and touch the strings and stuff. And I was so fascinated by this instrument. And it's so funny like bless my uncle dude he was just he was always such a crazy drunk but he was fun it was like fun to be around him like when he was drunk so you know i'd be like this nine ten year old girl and he's like hey little niece go give me a beer you know and i'd be like <laughs> yes. i'd be sitting next to the guitar because you knew how much i loved it and like i just wanted to be next to it and then um he'd have me go grabbing beers and he'd just be getting drunk in his room while i'm sitting next doing my thing in the other room and he would be blasting iron maiden right so iron maiden was like that was it that was the band i was like this is incredible i'm like what is this i want to sound cool like i want to beat those guys and like that's where it started right oh, there yeah. that is legit where it started was iron maiden and that freaking that red guitar and like just yeah i was like oh i think <laughs> No, just like i guess i'm just thinking like i really try to think back now like the origins and i think now being like the youngest child trying to get attention like banging on things like hey whoa look at me oh my god really listen to that it makes so much sense holy crap like, just like banging on the table or the wall like hello i matter too no i'm just kidding oh, 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 no. i'm kidding but you're not kidding that's true that's i'm so not so kidding true. because i still like will totally walk around the house doing that like hey whoa. attention <laughs> Chip, chip, cheerio. <laughs> she is a Leo. <laughs> I am. No, but I think that's like all of these things, they, they have deep roots, you know, like starting drums and, and really getting into rhythm. It, there's so much emotion that come, like flows out of that and comes through on the kit. And, and I do think that, you know, all of these experiences really influence our choices. This is why I've just enjoyed just being a fly on the wall for this conversation. I think for the last half hour, it's fun. It's like I get to play Sorry, like we're just going off. I, I was I like, get, oh, no, it's cool. Like I get to play, I get to play band therapist. You know, and it's just like, no. oh, yeah, you know. Like, well, it's funny too because like my Tama, like one of the the first ones I really actually like worked hard for to really save up for and like got my Zildjian's. That's the one my students get to use. Like, my students get to use the good shit. <laughs> but sometimes they'll, like, hit something. I'll be like, oh, it's a little hard on there. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, like, I'll go, like, especially with COVID, I, I disinfect everything. So now I'm, like, 
polishing everything after and like disinfecting and so I, I, n- I never worry about it because with a nice drum set like that i just i challenge i challenge people i'm like yeah whack the crap out of it if you bre- if you break it i got a problem with the company at that point well, you know because it's just like the each symbol to me like i know exactly where i was when i bought it i know which paycheck it was like, I, <laughs> you know what I, i'm serious i'm sure he knows what you mean <laughs> like i know which one <laughs> one symbol that's oh in the last 20 years those those things have gone up so much it's like one symbol now it's like 400 bucks yeah seriously and so but but i do i want students to learn on something that sounds good so they're like inspired to you know actually like keep going and, and get something for themselves and like really know um you know just just have some fun with it and i'm over here on this like my little teacher's corner <laughs> it's like a no, snare i'm glad she's but- giving students these good things because like you know, my family didn't have a lot that much money, uh, just your typical middle class. But like, you know, when my stepdad brought me to get my first guitar, he the only thing he got me was nothing special. It was just a, uh, it was that um, Fender Squire with the Roland Mini Cube. That's sweet. Yeah. And it wasn't anything special. And even when I brought it to school, people were like, "That's your stuff." And um, there was this one guy. There was this one kid. His name was Danny. I remember because his dad was in a band. So he came to school with like this gold-plated black Gibson SG, and he would bring like this uh, Marshall to school. Okay. And play it. And I go to the band room, and I have my little Squire mini cube, and he would just sit there and play it. They were shredding. Your shit like, was better. Your shit was better. They were like yeah. sitting there shredding like Dragon Forest and a Treyu both for my Valentine solos, and I'm over there like Green Day, like, do you have a time to oh. maybe listen oh. to me play? And I'm, I'm just like, my freaking little squire. To listen to me play. <laughs> I know that I am gay, but what can I, I do? Say? Yeah, right. No, seriously. And they're over there playing like a Treyu, like, I'm like, I'm like, those kids are cool. Oh no, you were cool too. There's room for everyone. Roof. <laughs> the world is a rainbow. Not one. No, because they nick. <laughs> no, they nicknamed me Squire Kid. So okay. Oh, so no, it was bad. No, you guys don't understand. It was bad. Like in high school, because I had like there's like there's like this this middle class like you know the rich kids know like they'll make fun of you like I was in a music hall and they were like hey hey look it's Squire Kid because I had like the oh, low end guitar like the, if you had a like, Squire yeah, like a first yeah, act yeah, oh they knew yeah. you were Jack crap. Jesus. Like a movie, yeah. All these other kids were pulling out like Jackson V necks, Gibson SGs. They were playing out these awesome like Mitchells, and I was just like, "Damn, what?" Doesn't matter the gear; it's how you play it. That's what I. That's the philosophy I live on, and you better yeah. believe it. Oh my god! Like I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. I was like, nobody had gear. <laughs> that's when I go to shows and I see all these dudes like post from like, like post show I see all these dudes in the corner and they're talking about their Acid cool gear like oh I got heads. this and this and this I'm just like dude I'm just here to play I was like do you got anything else to talk about other than how much you spent on your forehead cab no we don't no really so I'm still uh, but I've been like that since high school I'm just like but we worked we, a lot for it we gotta talk about it we gotta uh, say no, something I was like, dude, it but, it yeah, is, never, it's funny those are like the people that I avoid like the plague and then I don't feel like there's anything wrong with it but I feel like there's a certain toxicity that some that some musicians have where it's like we all sort of grow up at a certain point in time in our lives where the music is what drives our passion. But then when we get to sort of our adulthood, it's almost like for some people, it's just a competition. Or yeah. Or when you join the industry finally, and then we, and then they forget, they forget what drove them to, to, to create that passion. You know what I mean? And then, then you get people like, 
or in order to acquire that in order to acquire that stuff you have to spend so much time working you know jobs that are completely unrelated that by the time you get that gear it's just like oh i forgot how to play now because i spent all my days at this job it's true to make money to buy this expensive piece of gear and it's just like dude just get what you got and then go it's very very Mm -hmm. true because like some of the most amazing albums have been made with like not even like the greatest gear that you know that we'd have today think about how we've recorded music throughout centuries like, well you know and you'll see that on my facebook like i'll post that every once in a while especially when i post like i don't know because since you're my friend now you see that i post those those videos yeah so every once in a while someone will like post and they'll ask me my, what my gear rundown is and when i tell them they'll be like uh, oh oh so you don't oh you play like a 120 dollar mitchell pink guitar and like a little amp and i'm like dude it's not about how much i spend on it do you see the way i'm slamming on this right now and you make it sound incredible like it's just the vanity i think that's been so intertwined with like the music world it's like what have we really truly forgotten what music is supposed to be about i could could slam just as hard on a five thousand dollar gibson than i can on a two hundred dollar pawn shop like Mm -hmm. squire i'm telling you but you probably wouldn't get a job at Guitar Center if that I was, was going to say. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Like, when I go to Guitar Center, I can be like, even as a customer, I walk in there, I'm like, oh, no, he's not going to play Sweet Child of Mine. Don't play Sweet Child. Ah! Don't play Sweet he's Child. He's going to play Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, he's That's playing good. Sweet Child. Exactly oh, dear God. Well, I feel like you would definitely understand, like, the gear. It's Even if it's, like, really high-tech gear, sure, we all understand it, but, like, that doesn't mean that's the stuff that you play. I mean, she could still get a, a job at the Guitar Center for show, even though she plays like, you know, what she plays. It doesn't matter. You know? Sure, yeah. Well, you know, but I was talking to that guy. I mean, the last video I posted, I told the guy, I was like, you know, trust me, like I have my dreams of the gear I want to afford, but like at the same time, I was like, I don't want to stress myself out. Like I got to be real with myself. This is what I got. If I get to that point, you know, actually, I have these dreams sometimes because I, the thing I love about Green Day, it's Billy Joe lately has been doing this. He'll, he likes to pull people out from the crowd to play like Ramones, like these old classic pumps, uh, punk songs. He'll bring them on stage and I'll pick kids to come up and play the, um, play these songs. And I went to the revolution radio, uh, um, concert at the white river he pulled this girl off on stage and they were jamming he's like what's your name and she's like i forgot what her name is but she was like and it's also my birthday and billy joe's like yeah it's this girl's birthday let's play blitz creek bob and they were playing the song at the end of it they um trey sent the girl uh, one of the kids off with the drumsticks and then billy joe's like it's your birthday right you said it was your birthday here you take that that guitar is yours get the hell off the stage and the girl was flipping (laughs) out yes oh my god i've just personally not had good experiences at guitar center so I'll leave it at that as a woman going into the drums yeah the drum department but i haven't had good experiences and i'm a dude so <laughs> right well and also like i was i was wanting to teach with them for a while yeah and they were like yeah but we have a non-compete clause so you'd have to stop teaching at your house oh yeah yeah yeah. That's i was like um, let's no-go. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if i ever get to the point where i have fifty thousand guitars i'm gonna damn well give some to like some girls i i yeah because that's that's the thing about it is it's like i don't i like i have stuff but it's like i don't having i don't like having a lot of stuff lying around that i'm not using is the thing so it's like if i like i'll have one kid you know it's really nice or something and maybe like my standby or something that i gig with but it's yes. like i hate having i hate having like a bunch of stuff lying around if i'm not using it you know this, right this exactly me, so, yeah. um nate did you have any specific questions 
<laughs> no, I've I'm been kind of letting y'all riff. This is a jam session. I'm just seeing where y'all take it because I was going <laughs> to say everybody's just having a good time talking. Like, so sorry, like, we kind of <laughs> just went off on a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll be your but most did, interesting podcast. Did we answer a lot of the questions you had? <laughs> I, I, th- I think we I think we got everything in and man, I'm, I'm good with it. So I'll just say, you know, is, is there anything that y'all want to add in real quick before we wrap up? Where can the people I, find you? Tell us about the music. You can find us everywhere. No, but you can find us atrocitygirl.com, which also has all of our links. Um, Atrocity Girl, Facebook, Instagram, Atrocity Girl underscore band. Um, we are Bandcamp Atrocity Girl. We are Twitter Atrocity Girl. We're Twitch Atrocity Girl. YouTube Atrocity Girl. <laughs> I mean, you can literally just Google us and we're the first thing that pops yeah, up. Yeah, we got that TM trademark. Oh, so you just go yeah. to Google, type in Atrocity Girl. Um, if, you like, if you like the single, please check it out on Bandcamp or iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, Atrocity Girl. Um, yeah, tune in to the YouTube channel because we post our live streams there after the fact. Usually we go live on Facebook and then, you know, we upload to YouTube. So. Thanks again, Nate, for having us. We appreciate you. Yes, thank yeah. you, Nate, Absolutely. so much. Um, we did not tell the weed story, but maybe save that for next, next time. We'll save that next for the time. next podcast when you got the yeah. next single coming out. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to be back. We got, like we got, we got so, Trusty Girls got some good stuff yeah. coming your way. I can't wait for it. All right, Angie, Ryan, Johnny. Thanks so much, y'all. Appreciate it tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're definitely strapped for a little bit of time. We have a few hours because we're literally tracking our album today. So, <laughs> yeah, we got to get upstairs and like start tracking it, dude. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege being able to talk to you again. So we really really appreciate it. And thank you again. Thank you, y'all. We'll Bye. see y'all later, everybody. Take care. See you, man.